Let's start out, please, with a word of prayer. Lord God, our almighty, wonderful Father, we're so thankful to you, Lord, for bringing us together. We're thankful to you, Lord, for this united prayer, sermon audio, Zoom prayer meeting, which we can have, which we enjoy, which we look forward to every single day that we have it, Lord. And we just pray that today, this morning, you had opened to us the marvelous and the wonderful truths of your holy and blessed word. Father, let your son Jesus be revealed to us in all of his glory and magnificence and all of his wonder. And Lord, we want to thank you that we are your children. We want to thank you that we are citizens of the kingdom of heaven, ambassadors for the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to thank you that we are salt and light. We pray, Lord, now open our eyes, our ears, our hearts, our minds, and our souls to receive the engrafted word which is able to save us to the other most. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. I'm going to be looking this morning at uh, Acts chapter 19. That's quite a chapter in the book of, of Acts. Uh, we see that Paul spent quite a, quite a bit of time in Ephesus. And this morning, devotion is entitled Revival at Ephesus. Uh, we see here in verse 8 that uh, it, it refers to Paul being there three months. And then later on in verse 10, he spent two years disputing daily in the school of one Tyrannius. So Paul spent quite a bit of time in Ephesus. Ephesus was apparently a major city, a major province. Uh, they worshipped Artemis or Diana. The, the town was full of idolatry. The town was full of uh, witchcraft, magic, things such as that. Uh, when the chapter starts, Paul discovers 12 individuals who had only been baptized under John's baptism rather than the baptism of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so he explained to them uh, that John's baptism was for the forerunner uh, of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then once Jesus came, his disciples baptized in the name of Jesus. And so they were rebaptized, and Paul laid hands on them, and they spoke in tongues, and they prophesied. And we see that throughout the Bible, that whenever the Holy Spirit comes powerfully upon individuals, they prophesy. Back in the book of uh, Exodus, uh, Moses was given the task of sitting it there day and night all day long and explaining the law to people and, and judging, judging the people. And Moses's father Jethro came around and said, you're going to wear yourself out sitting here all day. Uh, find some men that you can trust and let them handle these, these matters between the people. And if, if there's something too hard, let them just come to you for that. And so he chose men, and the, God said he, he took the spirit that was on Moses 
and he put it on these men that uh, were to be the helpers of Moses. And uh, when the spirit of the Lord came upon them, they prophesied. And that was in the book of Exodus. Uh, I want to read uh, Acts chapter 19. And I want to start at verse uh, verse 12, 13. Let's start at verse 13. Acts chapter 19, verse 13. Then certain of the vagabond Jews, exorcists, took upon them to call over them which had evil spirits the name of the Lord Jesus, saying, We adjure thee by Jesus, whom Paul preacheth. And there were seven sons of one Sceva, a Jew and chief of the priests, which did so. And the evil spirit answered and said, Jesus I know, and Paul I know, but who are ye? And the man in whom the evil spirit was leaped on them and overcame them and prevailed against them so that they fled out of that house naked and wounded. And there was known to this was known to all the Jews and Greeks also dwelling at Ephesus, and fear fell on them all. And the name of the Lord Jesus was magnified. And many that believed came and confessed and showed their deeds. And many of them also, which used curious arts, brought their books together and burned them before all men. And they counted the price of them and found it 50,000 pieces of silver. So mightily grew the word of God and prevailed. May God bless this reading of his word. Now, this failed exorcism was known to all the people in Ephesus. And it says the fear of the Lord fell on them all. And the name of Jesus Christ was magnified. The name of Jesus was magnified. And uh, the, the main thing, this, this is a revival. This is a revival in an idolatrous city, a revival in a place that Paul laid the groundwork for, and it took him years and months to lay that groundwork because he, he preached and he taught in the school of Tyrannus and in the synagogues. And uh, that groundwork took years. But then revival broke out in the city. And when revival broke out in the city, uh, the word of God reads, many that believe came and confessed and showed their deeds. And we believe that, in fact, we're praying for revival to break out here in our country in our world we need a pandemic of the holy spirit to just settle upon this earth um i know that as i've pastored churches i had a vision of people just falling down on their knees in the street and confessing their sins to the lord under heavy conviction because that's that's what you get when when a revival breaks out you get people to where nothing else matters to them except 
to clear their conscience. Nothing else matters to them, but to get rid of that burden, which is upon their soul, to confess their sins to the to God, and to to seek forgiveness. And this has to be done, I believe, publicly. Uh, looking at Romans chapter. Uh, Chapter 10, I believe. It says, what saith it? And, and verse 8, Romans 10, 8. But what saith, saith it? The word is nigh, the, even in thy mouth, and in thy heart, that is, the word of faith, which we preach. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus. Now that's talking about confessing before men confessing publicly confessing openly and shalt believe in thine heart that god hath raised him from the dead thou shalt be saved for with the heart man believeth unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation that's why the preachers say come to the altar uh confess and and they have them stand before the congregation and and uh they confess their, their faith in Lord Jesus Christ publicly. And baptism, um, you, you'll see I'm, I'm wearing a, a ring here, although my wife passed away several years ago. Uh, I tell people I wear the ring so I don't have to beat off women with a stick. But uh, the ring is a sign of my vows, my covenant with my wife which that covenant is broken now, but I, I, I still wear the ring. and She's still here with me. <laughs> but uh, baptism is a sign of our covenant with the Lord Jesus Christ, because here is our old life. And then under the water, we're buried with him in baptism. And then as we come out of the water, we're, we're renewed. And we're new creatures and we're new in Christ. And we're risen from the grave to live a life which is pleasing to God, a life which glorifies God. Um, and when revival breaks out, I believe that uh, things will change. Things will change in society. Things will change economically. Things will change uh, in our personal lives. Revival will be a wonderful thing. But I want to read here. Uh, I've been reading several books on revival. I want to read here. Some of the results of revival. This was from the Welsh revival. An estimated 100,000 confessed Christ. The congregation list added 26,500 members. Another 24,000 Welsh joined the Calvinist Methodist Church. About 4,000 opted for the Wesleyan Church. The remainder were split between the Anglican and several Baptist groups. The effect on Welsh society was undeniable. Output from the coal mines famously slowed down because the horses wouldn't move. Miners covet converted in the revival no longer kicked or swore at the horses so the horses didn't know what to do 
Judges close their courtrooms and not, with nothing to judge. Christians wielded the revival as apologetic against the growing number of skeptics who deny religion. Uh, if we see revival, we're going to see drug addicts saved. We're going to see alcoholics saved. Uh, the chains of alcoholism and addiction uh, will be broken. Lives will be transformed. You know, we've seen that. We've seen that. Uh, if you've been a Christian for any number of years, you've seen people transformed. Uh, I've read many times where the the sin, most sinful or the meanest man in town is, is the one that gets converted. And then the revival breaks out of, in the town because of that. Because everybody knew, uh, and I, I run into this myself when I was in the ministry, when I was pastoring a church, uh, they'd say, oh, you can't, you can't do anything with old Joe down the road. Old Joe down the road is setting his ways. Uh, you can't change him. But, <laughs> you know, the Lord can change him. The Lord can change him. So. Uh, there was a great revival in Ephesus. They burned their books. Oh, that's one more thing I wanted to bring out. One more point is it has to be out in the open. And they burned their books. They didn't set them aside and, and look at them later. They didn't sell them uh, and propagate them. And there's been times that I've been convicted and I've had to take things and just throw them out in the trash. Uh, and get them out of my house because I don't want anything in my house that would stop the Lord from giving me the blessing. I don't want anything in my heart that would stop the Lord from giving me a, the blessing. In fact, there's a, a famous sermon. It's called My Heart Christ's Home. And, and uh, if you've never heard it or read it or uh, seen the book, uh, the booklet with it in it, I, I recommend you do that. My heart, Christ's home, where he goes through each door, each room in, in his heart. Uh, as the Lord Jesus Christ comes to uh, his invitation, comes into his heart and uh, what things are in each room of his heart. And so outside, we need to be sure our homes are clear of anything that would stop the blessing of the Lord from reaching us inside in our hearts we need to be sure that our hearts are right and pure before the lord and that we're walking in the spirit and in holiness thank you <laughs>